Welcome to Impact Medicom's podcast series on COVID-19 immunization. I'm your host, Anna Christofides. In this episode, we discuss immunization against COVID-19 and how we can protect our most vulnerable populations who are not able to mount sufficient antibody response to vaccination. Our guest on today's episode is Dr. Brian Conway, who is an infectious diseases specialist and the medical director of the Vancouver Infectious Disease Centre, dedicated to the development and evaluation of systems of care for inner-city vulnerable populations. The models his team has established have led to increased access to HIV and HCV care, as well as addiction services in a unique and durable manner. He's an adjunct professor in the Faculty of Health Sciences at Simon Fraser University. In 2012, he received the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal for long-standing service to the country in the field of HIV. In 2020, the Coalition for Global Hepatitis Elimination recognized Dr. Conway's group as one of six global elimination champions. In the times of COVID-19, he has been sought out by local and national media to help Canadians make sense of the pandemic. Through generous funding from the Public Health Agency of Canada, he is currently involved in optimizing vaccine and treatment understanding and uptake among inner-city residents. Hope you enjoy it. So thanks so much, Dr. Conway, for joining us today to discuss COVID-19 immunization and how we can protect our most vulnerable populations. So I just wanted to start with asking you a general question about, you know, what the usual response is to COVID-19 vaccination. Well, the mRNA vaccines, whether it be the Pfizer product or the Moderna product, are among the most effective vaccines that are available to be administered in a clinical setting. The efficacy against infection in general, after two doses of vaccine, beginning two weeks after the second dose, usually exceeds 90% and is likely persistent for several months after this uh, time point. So these are highly effective vaccines in the general population. That's that's wonderful. So, um, and how does that response change over time and also considering these new variants? Well, two things happen. First is that the efficacy of the vaccine does decrease after several months, which is why we are now endorsing the administration pretty much universally, I would say, of a third or booster shot to restore that level of immunity. With the advent of the Omicron variant, we saw a reduction in efficacy in excess of what we were observing after time or over time with the previous variants. So that the the efficacy after four to six months of two shots of the traditional vaccinations, be it Moderna or Pfizer, could be down to 30% in terms of protection against the Omicron variant. Higher in terms of preventing severe disease and hospitalization, significantly higher, but in terms of transmission and infection rates, it does go fairly low after several months when we speak of the Omicron variant. And so are there certain groups of people who would also have a reduced response to vaccination in general? And and what could be some of the reasons for this? Well, we know that in the general population, the vaccine works 90% of the time, which is great, but just for no necessarily observable reason, it won't work in about 10% of people. In certain other populations, those with reduced immune systems, be it due to some underlying condition, a malignancy cancer, or some other immune disease, 
their response would be reduced. And individuals who are taking certain kinds of medications that act to reduce their immune response would also be less responsive to the vaccine. So what could be some other examples of people who might have this this issue? Well, in general terms, people with blood malignancies, cancer patients on chemotherapy, people with congenital or acquired immune uh, deficiency, people that are on immunosuppressive therapies following a solid organ transplant or some chronic inflammatory disease. These are the types of individuals who are much less responsive we have observed to the vaccinations that are being administered at this time. And what could be, you know, the psychological impact for these people? It must be quite difficult for them throughout the pandemic. Well, in COVID world, this is particularly hard. These are individuals who are told to be careful. They are more susceptible to being infected by bacteria, viruses, and other things that generally do not cause any disease in people who have normal immune systems. So they're already being told to be careful. And now we're in a pandemic world and we're telling them that these infections are potentially fatal. COVID-19 can be potentially fatal. And that the first line of defense that we're giving to everyone in the population, vaccines, don't work for them. So this is very difficult. So they, they, the public health measures, hopefully they are all observing them to the letter to, to protect themselves. And this is I'm sure a great source of anxiety. Yeah, I can't imagine. So how do you define this term of immunocompromised and what percentage of the population do you feel meet that category? Well, it's defined in different ways by different people. But in general terms, what it would refer to is someone whose immune or defense system is reduced because of an underlying disease or some treatment that they are receiving. So that if they are exposed to a bacteria, virus, or other infectious agent, that uh, people with normal immune systems would would simply fight it off with a simple treatment or even without treatment, it can cause a severe illness that could potentially be fatal in people who are immunocompromised. They may account for up to 3% of the general population. So this is not, not a tiny number. It is a number that we must consider in our response to the COVID pandemic. Right. And I know you mentioned that there is less or perhaps no response in some of these people to the vaccines. Do we know what that is, what that number is? Well, it's difficult to glean that number from clinical trials since this population was systematically excluded for very good reason from the initial clinical trials to determine the efficacy of the vaccines. When we administered vaccines in the general population, and this group was then considered it did protect quite well against severe disease, hospitalization, and uh, and death. However, instead of getting a maximum 90% response that I was speaking of earlier, in people with significant immunocompromise, this response could be as low as 60%. And this is a group in certain countries such as Israel that received third and even fourth doses very quickly to try and restore the efficacy of vaccines, but it's very clear this population, immunocompromised individuals, up to 3% of the general population, that require a specific and targeted approach to the prevention and treatment of COVID-19 infection. Right. So what can we do uh, to help to protect these people further? Well, in addition to vaccines, there are ways to potentially prevent infection from occurring in specific individuals who are not infected 
and who may be at particular risk of severe consequences of COVID-19 infection. We refer to this as prophylaxis or prevention. So it can take two sort of strategies. There are two strategies to deal with this. The first would be the administration of some of the newly available antiviral agents, such as molnupiravir and Paxlovid, to name two of them. Uh, these are agents that have been administered in clinical trials to people who are infected and are at significant risk of more severe disease. And it does prevent hospitalization in 30 to 50 to 70 percent of individuals. So one could think of administering these products to people who are in an environment where they are at particularly high risk of becoming infected and in whom we doubt that the vaccine has worked or we know that they have not developed antibodies. Another way of doing this, rather than administering a viral protein and having the body's immune response kick in and develop its own antibodies, is to do something called passive immunization. So administer antibodies directly that would provide an instantaneous immune response to COVID and protect the individual from infection and potentially from severe infection. And so can you go into a little bit more detail about this passive prophylaxis and which patient groups might benefit from this? So active immunization instead of passive immunization is just a vaccine. So we give the viral protein and individuals' immune response, immune systems, recognize the viral protein as foreign and develop an immune response to it. And in so doing, if they are at a future time exposed to COVID-19, they would have a ready-made immune response that would prevent infection or limit its severity. You can do the same thing by administering a large amount of antibody to them in the first place. So their immune system either can't or won't make antibodies. We give them the antibodies so that they have a built-in immune response that with some of the products that are currently being made available could last as long as nine months and provide protection over that period of time. And which patient groups do you feel could benefit from this? Well, there are two kinds of patient groups that we could consider. The first is those who obviously cannot respond to active immunization, our first line of defense. So we give passive immunization. So this is the immunocompromised individuals on certain kinds of medications that specifically deplete the immune response against viruses, so-called B-cell depleting products and the like. And other individuals that we should think about are those that are in an environment where there is active community-based transmission of COVID-19 and who are not in a position necessarily to adopt the strict public health regulations that we know limit community-based transmission. So think of people that live in crowded environments in our inner cities, for instance. So if there's an outbreak in the inner city, there's certain populations that you could specifically target for passive humanization and limit the spread of the virus in that community. Yeah, good points. And so just a quick question about, you know, the, the process that you would go through. Would you do antibody testing uh, before making a decision like that? Or would you just target groups of people? Well, I think it would be difficult to do antibody testing on a broad scale that would be required to individualize treatment in a way that you describe. It would be scientifically rigorous, scientifically valid, but probably impractical. I think that we will learn a lot from smaller studies that would have been done in specific populations that would guide us to identifying those in particular who are not responding to the vaccine as well as others. And if there's an outbreak in their environment, 
or they are found to be at particular risk for other reasons, then they could be targeted for passive immunization. And community-based approaches in the inner city would probably be a bit iterative, but it would be nice to have clinical trials in that setting to show the benefit that it might have in reducing transmission of COVID-19 in that environment and its secondary spread into the more general community. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So how might such an option uh, for COVID-19 prophylaxis be important for people who are immunocompromised? How might it affect their quality of life, for example? Well, I think we talked about their risk of getting COVID-19. We talked about the fact that they aren't responding to the vaccine. We talked about the fact that they are already feeling that they are at risk of being infected by innocuous pathogens and this generating significant anxiety. I think that approaches such as passive immunization could provide them with peace of mind, protect them against COVID-19 infection and its most serious consequences. And from a psychologic point of view, I think we all want to be part of the solution to the pandemic. And it would be difficult, I think, for many to, to say, I would love to be part of the solution. I want to be vaccinated, but it won't work. This would give them an opportunity to be part of the solution. Yeah, that makes sense. And is there anything else that you would like to add that could help physicians better care for these patients during the pandemic? Well, I think that vaccines, active immunization is our first line of defense against COVID-19. So I think there is no individual who, based on their immune compromise or other comorbid conditions, should be excluded from the vaccination program. So I think it's our responsibility as physicians, healthcare providers to make sure that everyone is vaccinated. However, as other modalities become available, prophylaxis, passive immunization, and the like, and patients are identified as the most suitable candidates to receive these interventions, that it is equally our responsibility within our practices or in any other way that we encounter these patients to make sure that they are aware of these options that could potentially be life-saving and have a process in place to make these new innovative approaches available to those who need it most. Well, thank you, Dr. Conway. This has been really informative, and I really appreciate you taking your time out of your very busy schedule to talk with us about this important topic. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. 